The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. So we're going to be in John chapter 7 today. If you have your Bible, go ahead and flip there. If not, that's all right. We'll have it up on the screen for you. The scripture for today is John chapter 7, verse 1 through 18. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea, because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, Where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said he is a good man, others said, no, he's leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, He will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the amazing things you've been doing in San Diego, completely by your power. God, thank you for the things you've been allowing to happen at Grace City Church and just through the um, amazing family that is here. And I pray that today you just help us set our hearts and minds on you uh, and just listen to whatever it is that you seek to speak to us, God, and help us to discern your will and to apply it to our lives and live it every day. We love you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, John. All right, well, good morning. Uh, you know, it's exciting to, to look back at the City Kids Sports Camp. Uh, it, it really started as something that God pressed on our hearts uh, to do, and he brought it all together. And, and the way that it happened really was just starting a conversation, you know, right in our community uh, with one of my friends who's uh, the owner of the Parisi Speed School, Joe. Or the day we went over to the gym, just asked him, I said, hey, would you be interested in helping us with a, with a sports camp? We want to do a free sports camp for the city, and, and we really want to collect school supplies, you know, for the schools in this area, and, and just really give back. And, and so he said, yes, yes, I'm in. And, uh, you know, it took a lot of people who had this vision of saying, okay, we, we want to serve our city, right? Like our vision for Grace City Church is to be a church for our city, not for ourselves, but we are here to serve our city uh, in Jesus' name. And so that's, that's really why this whole thing came together. And um, I love the story that my friend Joe told on the last day, right? So it's hot outside. Um, 
a lot of water breaks, a lot of snack breaks uh, in between the, in those three days. And, and at the beginning of the third day, we, we all met with the leaders, right? And so we all met at the very beginning of, of the sports camp uh, just to get together to talk, to pray. And uh, Joe, told, he said, I got, I got to share this with you guys. He said, you know, I, we, were, we were thinking about whether we're going to bring the tug of rope out for this last day because we want to do some competitions with the kids and we thought it would be a, a great thing. But he said, man, I, last night I, I was, I worked till eight and I was just, I was wiped. And so I, I called up uh, Anthony and Anthony is one of the members here at Grace City. He said, I called up Anthony and I said, Anthony, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little tired. I don't know if we should get this rope or not. And uh, Anthony said, uh, Joe, you know that this, this could be uh, the highlight of some of these kids' summers. This, this could be the moment for them that they look back on their summer and they say, that was the best time I had all summer. And uh, Joe said, you know what, Anthony, you're right. Go get the rope. And so he got the rope out and we brought it and we had that huge tug of war uh, that happened there and, and it, was, it was awesome. But I saw a lot of people pouring themselves out this past week and, uh, and it was amazing. You know, and so I, I praise God and we give gl glory to God for what he did this past week. And um, again, if you want to help with some of the school supplies, right? So, so we're still collecting school supplies for uh, the schools in this area. So UC High School. Um, last year, by God's grace, we were able to give 100 backpacks to uh, UC High School. And we believe that God provided because we didn't have the resources to do that. But uh, just really a miracle happened and, and we were able to give 100 backpacks. And uh, the lady at the front, Venus, who's a believer, she said, you know, you, I wish you could have seen uh, the, the faces of the kids who walked out of there with a, with a new backpack because those were really good backpacks. And she's just like, they were amazed at, at the quality and just walking out of there with something that was just donated to them, given them, to them for free. And so we're gonna be collecting school supplies. Um, you can give online, gracecitysd slash give. We got a little special section just for the school supplies. Uh, but I just wanted to say that up front because again, we're, it, it's going, right? We're gonna continue to be a church for our city. Uh, we thank God for the sports camp. That's over. Now it's, you know, we're gonna keep going and moving forward. Um, and so this morning, uh, we're gonna be starting a new series uh, it's called Simply Jesus. And we've been going through the book of John since we've started Grace City, and we are in John chapter 7 already. And so we're going to be going through verses 1 through 18, and the message today is entitled The Decision. The Decision. Now, uh, you and I have very important decisions that we need to make. I, I was recently talking with a guy. I said, you know, you're thinking about relationships and all those things. I said, that's the second biggest decision you're going to make in your life behind following Jesus. What do you do with Jesus, right? And so we, we, we have to make important decisions all the time. And uh, let's be honest. Right now, it's, it's hard to make decisions because we live in such a turbulent time. There's so much going on right now. There's conflict, disorder, confusion. You turn on the TV, you look on social media, it's everywhere. Confusion is everywhere right now. What, what is it that we need to believe to be able to make the right decisions? In the midst of chaos, you have to make important decisions. See, those questions will start coming at you. Well, what side are you on on this particular topic? Well, who is it that you believe? Or how will you respond? 
There are a lot of movements going on right now in our world. I mean, rightly so. I mean, there's a hashtag of a lot of different important movements that are happening in our world. What, what do you do with that? How, how do you make decisions about those? We have the election coming up. There are decisions that you and I have to make. Important decisions. There are world events that are happening. People being massacred. I, I mean, I've got an app on my phone uh, just for the New York Times. And, and the New York Times is constantly reporting all of the massacres that are happening in our world. My heart breaks every time I get an update. So what, do you, what do you do with those things when they're coming at you constantly? You and I are told that we need to choose sides. Make a decision. And so the question is, where do you stand as a follower of Jesus? Right, as we're processing all of this information coming at us, where do you stand as a follower of Jesus? How we answer that is very important. Lord Martin Rees, a master of Trinity College in Cambridge, said in 2003, he says, I think the odds are no better than 50-50 that our present civilization on earth will survive to the end of the present century. Oxford University uh, futurist James Martin once said, even if Homo sapiens survive, civilizations may not. As Christians, we shouldn't be surprised by these dire predictions. We should understand the problem of evil in our world better than anyone. I remember I was watching the news one day, and there, during that time, there were all of the different school shootings that were happening all across the country, uh, universities, campuses. And I remember they brought in some uh, Christians to talk about what they believed the reason was behind all of this. And some would say, well, it was their background, their upbringing, all of these different reasons. And one guy at the very end, he says, because he's the one that was quiet the whole time, he says, Again, I, I don't know what these guys' beliefs are, but one thing I do know from the Bible is that it says that there's evil. There's darkness. There's sin. There's an enemy. And, and when he said it, it was almost like, oh. Like there, there, there is something more than what we saw on the surface, Right? Because we know it's not just upbringing and all those things. Now, there, there's some contributing factors to that. But at the very root of what we know from the scriptures is that there are three things that are really battling against you and me. Uh, the Bible talks about the flesh. And so in Romans chapter 7, you see the apostle Paul struggling with the flesh. Wanting to do things that he knew he wasn't supposed to do and, and didn't want to do. But... He really wanted to follow God. 
And then we see that in scripture there's also the enemy, the devil, right? There's a spiritual world. There, there is a reality of a spiritual realm. But then we also see that there's the world, the world. There, this world, the gravitational pull of this world is pulling you away from God. And so what Jesus addresses in this text today is really the world. We see Christ in the world. And he says all of us have this decision that we need to make. Will we follow the way of God or will we follow the way of the world? John 16, Jesus says later in the book of John, he says, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So what he's saying here is that don't be surprised if there's hard times. Don't be surprised if there's tribulations that come. Don't be surprised when there's updates on your phone. Don't be surprised. But take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. So what does that mean for us as believers in Jesus? What is the decision that we need to make? Well, there's a book that I think is very timely for us. It's a book written by a man named Oz Guinness, and it's called Renaissance, and in, in, in the title is Renaissance, The Power of the Gospel, However Dark the Times. And at the beginning, he asked this question. He says, will Christians rise to play their part in responding to such challenges? Right, like you and I have challenges that we have to face in this world. Will Christians rise? Tackling them will require an unshakable trust in God that can face any future without fear. A profound intellectual seriousness that is willing to wrestle with problems that are unprecedented in human experience. A constant reliance on God's spirit for fresh and creative imagination to conceive of what has never been yet in an untiring perseverance that will be worthy of the heroism of the greatest reformers of the past. See, friends, the, the decision that we have to make is if we're going to continue to go along with the ways of the world, or if we're going to stop for just a moment and say, God, help me to decide based on what you think is right. Help me to decide based on what you're calling me to do. Because in my flesh, I want to respond differently than the way you do, God. And I would if it wasn't for you. See, why is it that many of us don't engage the world like Oz Guinness is talking about? I think part of the problem is that we have compartmentalized our faith. We bought into this idea that, yes, I'm a Christian, but my, my faith is private. It's not something that's a public faith, you know, it's not something that I really talk about very much, but it's, it's something that's private. And so what we've seen even in the Western mindset, in the modern mindset, is that we compartmentalize our lives. 
this is my work life, this is my faith life, this is everything else, family, whatever. But what Jesus calls us to is he says, no, 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 when, when you give your life to me, it doesn't just t- touch one part of your life on a Sunday morning. This permeates every part of your life throughout the week. This part, it, it permeates everything and how you live and what you do. That is the decision that you make when you choose to follow Jesus. It, it flows into everything. I, I just want you to see like a, like a glass of water and just, he's just pouring in. It's just overflowing into everything else. See, our mission at Grace City is to equip you with the gospel for everyday life. Everyday life. The, the, the part of life that you and I live outside of a Sunday morning. And so how do we equip you for that? See, Jesus shows us that when your life is surrendered to God, it encompasses everything about you. It gives you a new lens to the world, a gospel lens. Yes, we see the darkness, but he, he, covered, he says, okay, I want you to see what my eyes are seeing. I want you to see with my heart. And what happens is you start to th- see things others don't. You become burdened for things that others aren't. You speak when others won't. You stay silent when others shout. You value what others trample. A completely different life. And what happens when we decide to take our faith from private to public? How do we do this wisely? What does it look like for your life to be simply about Jesus? Because that's the decision he truly is asking us to make. Will your life be simply about Jesus? And so when, when, when you post something on social media, will people see Jesus through that? When people see you out and in, in, in interacting with them in the world, whether it be political views, whether it be your views on lifestyle choices, Will people see Jesus in the way that you respond? To respond like Jesus, we need to know Jesus. We need to know him personally, intimately. And we need to see that really right here in this this scripture today. Um, And so our text again is John 7, 1 through 18. And, And just to give you some background here, there is a tension as we enter into this text about these two viewpoints. Man's view, God's view. And earlier in the text, we find that uh, there is a big feast coming up. And so there were three huge feasts throughout the year. And early historian Josephus said that this particular feast, the Feast of Booths, was the largest of all three. And there was a buzz that was happening around this event. And if Jesus was going to make a statement, 
If there's any time he's going to make a choice about saying, okay, this is who I am, this is what I'm about, I mean, surely this seemed to be the time when Jesus would need to make his coming out party, right? Like, okay, I'm ready. See, Jesus is now placed in the middle and forced to decide which viewpoint on life he will live out. The decision. See, it's a similar struggle that we are facing on a daily basis. Will I choose God's way or will I choose the world's? In today's text, we learned three layers to the decision Jesus had to navigate. And so those three layers are uh, Jesus faced pressure, second, endured whispers, and third, willingly sacrificed. So again, I'll give you all three up front. Faced pressure, endured whispers, willingly sacrificed. The first one is um, he faced pressure. And so I want us to look at verses three and four. It says, so his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. So who is it that's putting the pressure on Jesus? It's his brothers. His brothers in verses three and four, it says that they, they were the ones that were really pushing Jesus to reveal himself to the world. And in a lot of ways, what, what's happening here is what many of us try to do with God. Right, Jesus has, has this pressure coming at him he knows that there's a decision that needs to be made. But his brothers are trying to do it in a way that isn't God's way. It's what they think is best. And so they start putting pressure on Jesus that Jesus, this is what you need to do. I don't know about you, but I know for myself, I have come to God before and I've said, God, don't you see what's going on here? Don't, don't you see what's going on in the world right now? Don't you see what's going on in my life? Jesus, come on. Like, if you're, if you're really God, like, you, you've got to come through for me on this. You start pushing that pressure on, on, on Jesus, right? Like, he doesn't know what's going on. Like, I'm informing the God of the universe, like, oh, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. Randall knows he knows, he knows better than I do. No. no. See, but we start putting pressure on God like that, like he, that, that's who he is. And so his brothers are coming to, to him and, and they're telling him these things. Now, here's the thing. It's his brothers who are doing this. These are the people who were, I mean, should be like the closest and should know Jesus in a, in a very intimate way. They grew up with him. What we find is they're putting this pressure on him like, Jesus, you got to prove yourself to us. Just aside, sometimes there will be people in your life that you trust that will try and put pressure on you to do something that God's telling you not to do. It'll come. 
And so Jesus is facing this pressure from his brothers. And so what kind of pressure is it? Well, one pressure is the pressure of how. Don't you see what they're saying here? They said that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. Right, like if there's people that really know you, Jesus, they're like really your disciples, they gotta see your works. They gotta see what you're doing. They, they gotta see what you're about. People don't really believe in you like they should. And so I think you need to do a few more things here and there, Jesus, to come through. See, because it says, um, if you do these things, show yourself to the world. Now, the world throughout Scripture, and even in the book of John, is not a, a good thing. Like, when we look at uh, John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Like, we think of the world like, oh, yes, like the world, yes. But, but what, what that term is saying is basically like, the world was so bad that I had to send my son Jesus to go save it. The world was in such a dire situation that the Son of God had to come into the world and love the world. There was no hope. And so God had to send his son Jesus. And the world, when it's talking about this, this is a, the spirit of the world is a system of thinking. Basically, it's this idea that the material world is an end in itself. That all I've got is the here and now. And so a worldly type of mindset is this, that um, the here and now is all that matters, and so it's about popularity, celebrity, personal fame. That's all that matters. So his brothers are coming to him, putting on this pressure, saying, Jesus, you're not famous enough. You need to do something that's going to get your name out there a little bit more and so that people will know who you are and so you'll be a little bit more popular and you know what might happen well people might say well aren't they Jesus's brothers whoa they know Jesus so since he's popular they've got to be popular too right they're garnering some type of attention to themselves as they're saying these things to Jesus like buttering up Jesus you got to get out there you gotta let people know who you are. Because maybe in the process, they might be able to get a little of that as well. We've all bought into this type of thinking before. Right? Like we've all bought into the ideas that, man, I just, I just need to get my name out there. I need this to be about me a little bit more. I'm gonna tell you a, a goofy story. Uh, my, my, when, when I was in high school, I was a freshman, right? And I remember my friend Matt came up to me. And Matt, it was interesting that we were in Friends because he stole my girlfriend in like sixth grade. I was, I was in a really important basketball tournament the same night as the dance. And so I was like, I've got to play basketball. That's really important to me. And so he swooped in and took my girlfriend at the time to the dance. And so we were friends in ninth grade. And I remember him coming up to me I say, Randall, we're freshmen now. You got to let the ladies know who you are. You got to get your name out there. And I remember sitting back thinking, you're right. I do. I need to get my name out there. 
And, and really what that did was it, it ended up being really bad. Right? It wasn't like a good thing, but it was a really bad thing because of all of the rejection that I got after that, right? And so, and I looked really stupid doing it. But there are people that are going to come to you with really bad ideas. And they're going to be worldly ideas. And it's not going to end up good in the long run. See, Jesus was willing to reject pragmatism in favor of God's plan. As a freshman, that was pragmatic to me. I gotta get my name out there. That's just the smartest thing for me to do right now. But in my ninth grade mind, that was not a good idea, right? And so the same thing is true with us. Jesus was willing to reject what they thought was pragmatic for God's plan. Again, Oz Guinness in his book, Renaissance, says, God's work must always be done in God's way to see results that are worthy of God's reality and greatness. Jesus had a bigger vision, a bigger plan than the pressure that these men were putting on him. So they, they had the pressure of how, but they also had the pressure of when. Uh, D.A. Carson says this about this verse. He says, his brothers had projected onto him what they would have done under similar circumstances without reckoning with the uniqueness that's, that stamped him. The right time, kairos, for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. Worldly thinking versus God's thinking has a lot to do with timing. When? Jesus' life is not regulated by his brother's timing, but by the Father's timing. And so for you, do you come under the pressure of believing that I need to do this on my timing? I need this to happen for me right now. This, this is how I need to respond. The pressure comes on, right? Where's the pressure coming from? Is the pressure coming from people? Saying, you got to put something out there on social media. You got to do something about this. Is this man-centered? Or is this God-centered? Is it a godly burden? And when is the right timing to say something? When is the right timing to do something? See, what's behind this pressure? We find out in verse five, it says, they did not believe in him. Do you know where most of our mistakes come in? Most of the traps come in? It's when we trust ourselves rather than God. Oh God, I know how and I know when and I know what this needs to look like. And really what that is, is an unbelief. It's an unbelief in God. It's an unbelief in, in who he is and in Jesus. We find in Mark 32, or th verse 3, uh, or chapter 3, verse 21 and 31 through 35, is that Jesus' brothers were unbelievers. At that time, when they came to him with this, they were, they were not believers of who he was. And, and I've got to say this. Um, Proximity does not equal discipleship. Just because you're close to a Bible, 
Just because you're close to other Christians, just because you've grown up in church your whole life, proximity does not equal discipleship. And so Jesus' brothers were as close as they could be, right? They were his brothers. But that didn't mean they were disciples at that particular time. Now later we find out that they do become disciples. And so we find out the book of Jude and um, even in 1 Corinthians 15 it talks about his brothers coming to faith. But at this time they weren't. So just because you're, you're close to Jesus doesn't mean you're a disciple of Jesus. I was talking with uh, one guy and he was talking about how he'd been going to church for years and years. And I asked him a question. I said, well, when did it become real for you? And he looked back at me. He's like, well, that's an interesting question. I said, well, no. Like, when, when did it become real for you? It, it wasn't just going to church. When did it become a relationship with God? See, today what I'm saying is that for many of us, we, we might have grown up in the church, but that does not mean that we're a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus is inviting you into a relationship with him that's much better than just checking in and checking out on a Sunday morning. He wants to be a part of your whole life. And so we find, again, that this is the pressure that's being put on Jesus. He, he faced pressure. The second point is he endured whispers. Um, it says, but after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. Well, some said he's a good man. Others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. Uh, verse 12, we look at that and it says that there was much muttering about him. When you meet the real Jesus, you gotta make a decision. And, and the real Jesus endured a lot of whispers about who he was and who he wasn't. And uh, some people would say, well, Jesus, you're, you're, you're a good man. Others thought he was a bad man. He was leading people astray. But here's the thing, the, the fear of the Jews, why were they fearing? Because the Jews knew he was claiming something much more than just being a good man. He was claiming that he was God. And it says earlier that they were, they were ready to kill him at the beginning of verse, or, or in verse uh, three, or, or one actually in, in chapter seven. They were ready to kill him. Do you realize that when you live like Jesus, there will be mutterings about you? It's gonna happen. People are gonna wonder, like, what, what's, what's this person about? And they say, well, maybe you're a good person, or maybe you're just leading some people astray. I don't know about that Jesus thing. But when you decide, when you make that decision that, okay, Jesus is the Son of God. I need him. He's my Lord and Savior. As Jesus endured whispers, you will endure whispers as well. 
I think a lot of the times what happens as Christians is we're just surprised by that, right? We're surprised. Like, I can't believe that they're talking badly about me. I can't believe they would say something bad about me because I'm a Christian. Friends, it's going to happen. And I, you know, my, my son, right, he's six. He's got two sisters. He gets so worked up and agitated every time he finds out that his sisters are talking about him. They are whispering all the time to one another. They're talking about jokes, you know, just to themselves about Kai. As he's over there by himself running around doing his boy stuff. Right? They're like making fun of him. And he is surprised by it all the time. And he gets agitated and he gets worked up and he starts slamming doors. And he's so mad. Jesus wasn't surprised by the whispers. When you meet the real Jesus, there's a decision that has to be made. And some people will talk very kindly, and others won't. But Jesus won't leave it at that. He'll press it. And so the people, he endured the whispers in ways that we couldn't and that we don't. And so there was that decision that he had to make in saying, okay, I'm going to endure the whispers I'm gonna endure people talking badly about me and I'm gonna keep moving forward to the point where the third point is he willingly sacrificed. Again, I love D.A. Carson in his work on the book of John and in his commentary, he says, Jesus' concern was not privacy but obedience to his father. It wasn't, it wasn't to be private. It wasn't to protect himself but he willingly sacrificed when you're making decisions about life, does being obedient to God take priority? Jesus willingly put himself in a position to be ridiculed. Look at verse 15. It says that they were amazed. They were amazed by him. Why were they amazed? Because of his lack of formal education. They were amazed that there was a guy walking around who didn't walk with the rabbis, and was able to have this type of profound teaching. They, they looked at him, and it, was, it could be literally translated, how does this man know grammar? How is it that he can read and write? That's the amazement that we're talking about when they looked at Jesus. Do you see that Isaiah 53 thing going around here? The man who was the man of sorrows? The, the man who people looked down upon? Jesus willingly sacrificed to the point where people looked at the God of the universe and said, he's a fool. How could he, how do, he doesn't even have formal education. How could he be saying these things? How can an educated person believe in God? Oh, you believe in God? How foolish. How archaic. You're one of the ones that are holding back progress in our world. Do you hear the whispers? Do you hear the way that people talk as they hear that you're a Christian? See, it's looking at Jesus willingly sacrificing 
first for us, to be made a fool of, and knowing that the same thing will happen to us. He willingly sacrificed himself to humiliation. Little, little over a year later, his disciples, Peter and John, would face the same treatment from the authorities in Acts 4.13. This is what they said when they looked at him. They said, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. When you've been with Jesus... He takes people that would look foolish in the eyes of the world. And maybe you still might look foolish to people because you believe in God and you show up on a Sunday in an area where 97% of people don't go to church anywhere. But what you can take rest in is that you've been with Jesus, that he walked that path before us, and that he walks that path with you now. As disciples, you will be asked to willfully sacrifice. But we see him doing it first. And so quickly, how do we live this out? I'm gonna give you five takeaways really quickly, um, and then we're gonna close. The first one is this. Trust God's timing. Is living in the now all that matters, or do you believe in God's timing? Do you believe that he's got something more? Worldly thinking exaggerates our need. And all we think about is the now. My kids, they come up to me about 10 o'clock every day, right, when I'm with them. They've already had breakfast. They said, Dad, I'm starving. I'm starving. Aren't you going to feed us today? Like, what's going on? I said, son, it's 10 o'clock. You just ate like two hours ago. Well, Dad, you, you know that we've got munch. We call it, they call it like munch, right? Like munch, not lunch. Munch. We got lunch. Yeah, I know that. It's coming. It'll be coming at 12 o'clock. Okay, so the same thing we do with God, right? Like, God, when's it coming? When's it coming? Have you forgot? It's coming on his timing. His timing's perfect, and he knows when to bring it. Second takeaway is have an eternal perspective. Do you see beyond this world? Like, I know there's, there's tragedy upon tragedy that's happening in our world. Will you be the hands and feet of Jesus in this time, and do you have an eternal perspective? There is fear in our country right now over the election, over everything that's coming up. Don't let it paralyze you. You have a king. His name is Jesus. And if we have an eternal perspective, we can respond in the way that he's asking us to because right now we need it more than ever, amen? We need it. We need believers who are gonna walk into the world fearlessly because we've got a king named Jesus. Have an eternal perspective. Know that this is a part of it. And he's bringing and making all things new. The third is, listen for God's voice and respond. Is God's voice louder than people? Are people telling you to respond a certain way? People telling you you should respond a certain way? I would ask you to pray about it, to seek God, 
to seek his voice. Even this morning for myself, I had to come to him and say, God, I need to hear your voice. I need you to speak to me. I feel dry right now. I need you to speak into my life. And he gave me Psalm 84 this morning. He gave me Psalm 84, and it was just saying like, you can make a home in me. That's what he spoke to me this morning. Right, like, listen for God's voice. Respond. Do something about it. We're not just people who sit back and listen, but we respond and take action because the gospel demands it. Fourth is, friction is inevitable, so seek God. Some of us are being persecuted all the time. And I would just ask, are you being obnoxious about your faith? Are you being obnoxious about your faith? Right, because if you're being like persecuted all the time, there's a problem. If you're never persecuted, are you being a, a coward? Are you not standing up when you should? The thing about Jesus is he attracted people and he repelled people. And the same thing will happen in your life. Is there, there are going to be people who are drawn to you because they see Jesus in you. They're attracted to you. They're going to be like, whoa, Jesus is awesome. If he's in your life, I want that. But there's going to be people too who are like, man, I don't, I don't know what you're about. I don't want anything to do with you because you're a Christian. That friction is inevitable. So seek God in it. Seek God in, in when you're supposed to speak and when you're supposed to be silent, right? when you're supposed to do something and when you're supposed to back out. The last one is, find out for yourself. Find out for yourself who this Jesus is. Find out for yourself what he's done for you. Because in verse 17 he says, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. How can you decide? Make a decision. That's so important. When there's so much at stake in our world right now, how do you make decisions? You look at the one who made the decision for you when everything was at stake. Because when he says this word, he says, he says my time has not yet come. The word he uses is kairos. And, and what that word means is my time of struggle. My time of struggle has not yet come. You know what his time of struggle was? When he struggled with our sin on the cross. When he wrestled with the darkness and won. And so as you struggle with the darkness, as you see it in yourself, as you see it in this world, and you've gotta make a decision about what you're gonna do every day. You look at the one who struggled with the deepest, darkest struggle that you and I face, our sin. And he said, it's finished. It's done. I've died for it. He decided to make his enemies his friends by dying on the cross for them.
That's the world. We were his enemies, but he made us his friends. And he decided he was going to go all the way to the cross for us. Let's pray. Jesus, please help us to make the decision that we need to make. That Jesus, you're all we got. You're our only hope. Help us to know the good news of the gospel today. And if we've never made a decision for Christ, help us to see that you decided to die for us while we were still your enemies. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and how you're working. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.